dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. So thankful for all of you to join us. My next guest is a managing partner for a cannabis venture capital fund recognized by Forbes as a top cannabis private equity fund, which has invested in over 30 privately held cannabis businesses. And again, with the kind of work that's being done here, just going to according to Pitch Tech, a financial database that mentions the fact that uh, the importance of venture capital in the cannabis industry, okay? There was a list that was released by PitchBook in 2019 of the top venture capital firms investing in cannabis. Last year, a record $1.2 billion in VC investments were made in cannabis. At the top of the list is the company that's featured today on the program, making them the largest dealmaker in the VC landscape, striking a total of nine deals in 2019 alone, making it to the total of 30. And our guest is a, was a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley and then decided to research the growing cannabis industry, leaving Wall Street behind to be part of this growing industry. And we're thankful to have the managing partner of the Fido Partners Cannabis Venture Capital Fund, Larry Schnornmacher, here on Blunt Business. Blunt, th- Larry, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Brasco. <laughs> my pleasure. Really, uh, there's so much we can say. Obviously, my, some of you might know that we actually had you featured as, an, uh, as a featured speaker at our United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, which uh, sponsors the program. And we are happy to have you on because we want to get into the investment side. And to talk about, with, first of all, there's so much financial talk being talked about in terms of optimism within the space. Let's first talk about Fido Partners in general. Your firm's portfolio touches nearly every vertical in the cannabis supply chain, but it largely focuses on ancillary companies that support licensed operators. You've invested $20 million to almost a point in more than 30 ancillary cannabis companies. They range from technology, data management, human resource management, staffing solutions, and agricultural testing to licensed cannabis producers. Take me briefly to the importance of involving yourself and creating that investment throughout a, this whole spectrum of the supply chain. So what, what we've done at FIDO is essentially we've, we've taken a look at the, the, the larger cannabis industry um, and we have focused our capital and our attention on the businesses that provide critical solutions, business solutions, to the licensed operators, to the licensed growers, and the licensed dispensaries um, in order to help them execute their business plans, capture market share, manage their employees, manage their businesses, uh, manage their customer base, in order to compete successfully in a fast-growing, rapidly changing, um, you know, new emerging industry. So we have focused a lot of attention on technology solutions, on business administration solutions, testing laboratories, as well as compliance, uh, compliance solutions. 
where we, basically we, we every investment supplies yeah, one to the other. So if anybody comes on board, if they're looking for someone that you already have in your portfolio, if a company needs some part of that supply chain, you can supply that. You can make the referral. So we like to call it the FIDO ecosystem. Like you said in the introduction, we've, we've deployed capital in so many different verticals of the industry that you know, when we're speaking to potential investment targets and or working with our existing portfolio companies, we can be very strategic in, uh, you know, partners in helping them develop their businesses, find new customers uh, and, and, and or manage their, their existing business. Now, one thing I'll notice is, I don't know if, if for, for VC, uh, capital investors, if there's a thing where you can be strategic on who comes forward to you seeking funding and which companies look to play without having some kind of a strategy to say, did it just come together by itself kind of organically or was this the set plan to reach out and be able to go ahead and service the whole ecosystem as you call it? The way we saw it from the beginning is that the licensed operators were clearly the kind of the shiny object. Everybody wanted to, you know, have a license to produce or to sell this, this, this new product that was going to be used by many, many more people and was already being used illegally by, you know, estimates range from, you know, the, that the illegal market is, you know, 50 to a hundred billion dollars. And we just didn't see licensed art, of the industry as, as where capital would be treated best, hardest to scale, most capital required in order to get a business up and running. When, for example, a technology solution that helps all dispensaries do business would be a better investment than, for example, trying to get a dispensary license in a particular state. One, I'd rather be in, I'd rather I'd rather be invested in a company that can service any dispensary, do business with any dispensary in any state or any country. I'll put it like this: There's an interview you did with MJ Bulls Media back in June of last year, and there's a quote I want to pull out that I think really says it great. We don't want to be, quote, investors with a whole bunch of family and friends. We want institutional players who will be there for future funding grounds of, for growth issues, delays, things like that. So we've tried to put together a portfolio of companies that can leverage or one or one other that can collaborate, that can in some way help one another succeed, not necessarily the same businesses and sometimes competitors. So there is a rhythm and rhyme to what you're doing. And that's, it definitely stands out by what you're doing here. It's very very smart to go by. Now, let's talk about the evolution of investment in the industry itself. I want to go in more into a, a top-level conversation on this. Marketrealist.com reported, quote, uh, cannabis investors used to chase Canadian operators focused on ramping up production to meet the growing demand of a newly legalized Canadian recreation market. And ultimately, booming markets in the U.S. and the overseas came as a result. Then the Canadian gold rush faded and more United States states legalized marijuana consumption. Cannabis investing then shifted to U.S.-based multi-state operators, MSOs. There's now a major retrenchment across the industry as we look at today that may be a sign that the Wild West days are over. So now 
Larry, cannabis investors are looking for more stability and clarity in an industry still defined by significant regulatory uncertainty and by young companies with varied capabilities and track records. As the markets continue to mature, investors might be looking for the next level. There's a 1.0, 2.0. Maybe we're at the vo- a level of cannabis investing 3.0. What direction are you seeing going forward based on that whole overview I just gave there? What, what, what happened in the, it, it, with this chase to invest in Canadian licensed producers that went public was a, a, a whole lot of capital, investor capital, was chasing licensed producers. As that bubble blew, um, you know those those Canadian producers raised all sorts of capital to grow these businesses, and there was really no, you know, no support businesses, no what's what are referred to as no ancillary businesses to help these these essentially these these farms these producers of cannabis and then the you know the retail distribution the the dispensaries to 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 do their business to market their products to brand their products to advertise their products to manage their customer and patient bases to grow more efficiently effectively you know cost cost efficiently um to add value to the cannabis flower itself, because most, you know, most cannabis will not be sold in the form of flower going forward. That's a vintage, old-fashioned, antiquated way of consuming cannabis, and for the most part, that that's not going to be the way it's it's consumed in you know five or ten years. So businesses that can add value turn this flower into a value added product needed to, to blossom because the producers of cannabis were not going to be able to do that. They're farmers. They know how to grow amazing cannabis, all sorts of terrific strains with high THC or high CBD levels, um, terpenes and all that, but they don't know how to make a, an amazingly packaged beauty skin cream and market it and get it to the, you know, in front of the, the people who might be interested in that. So we took the, the tact of investing in ancillary businesses that are going to help these producers succeed in the industry. And that's, that, that's served us very well. Um, we were not exposed to the, 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 the crash in, in Canadian licensed producers stock prices and we continue to be invested and seek out new investments in businesses that can leverage the macro growth of cannabis as, as a consumer packaged good, as a health and wellness product, as a life enhancement, uh, life enhancement product, whether for, for, for as a medicine or as a social elixir. Let me unpack a couple of things from that. So again, the type of consumption, regardless of what, the cultivators and those that are re- able to go and create this great product, whatever kind of spectrum, whatever kind of uh, phytocannabinoids they provide, it's like you said, to be able to offer those other companies to go ahead and be made available with the trust of a company, uh, you know, a firm like yours that are able to go ahead and link and network these companies together with a great, you know, it's honestly, you've built the better mousetrap. 
with uh, Final Partners and what you've done here all together. I think that's been, it, it's a very sound strategy. It is setting the trend to what has been doing Cannabis Investing 3.0. I'm not going to, you know, not to beat around the bush. This is what Cannabis Investing 3.0 should be and is right now. You have already proven that point. Uh, that, Look, 90% of all the capital that's been invested into the cannabis industry over the last three years has been put into licensed operators, companies, businesses that are, that are growing or, or selling cannabis. Very, very little capital has been invested into the businesses that support those companies. You're not just investing, you're totally consulting the companies. There are some that being said about, okay, do we want to make this for health and beauty aids or, or actual, if it's topicals or creams? If you're not going to have so many people taking the flower and, you know, putting it together so they can put it into something, into a device. If you have a set Vipe pen or an edible that you want to have, you know, it's ever changing right now what's being done and i keep seeing that the fact that the flower is not just being smoked direct anymore as much as it is if you have other ways to do it which might even be safer which might also avoid any of the issues with smoke that might be put into you there's just different ways to consume and these operators that you're investing in they need to know from other companies that can also offer the right expertise as to making sure that you're getting the most investment of what are you doing with that flower, as it goes down the supply chain, that it's going in for the right, into the right routes and what might work best as a whole. And I completely agree with that, that line of thinking. I'm here with Larry Schnurmacher again. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say we have a number of companies that collaborate and partner. They share data. They share um, APIs so that their technologies can work together in order to leverage and help the businesses like I said, the licensed producers um, be able to compete more effectively in the market. So we've got to go and get something relate to break. I'm here again with Larry Schnurmacher, managing partner of the Fido Partners Cannabis Venture Capital Fund. Back with more questions with Larry. We're going to talk about optimism within the investment space in just a moment. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Plant Profits. I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protus Global, people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives, 
since 1995. P-R-O-T-I-S Global. Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Again, I'm joined with Larry Schnurrenmacher the managing partner of the Fido Partners Cannabis Venture Capital Fund here on Blunt Business. Let's talk about reason for optimism. There's some stories, again, uh, again referencing from uh, marketrealist.com as a report that came out to them. And let's go and mention what they mentioned. A couple st- stats that were brought in in the story that came from the end of uh, 2019. According to Research and Markets, the global legal cannabis market will be worth $75.6 billion by 2025. Five-year uh, projection. Now, this implies a compounded average growth rate of 28.3% between 2019 and 2025. They expect the market to benefit from increasing cannabis legalization and the expanding addressable market for medical cannabis. Now, what measures, Larry, at the state or federal level could policymakers make to create that optimism? Or what do you think is being said? Why those numbers look so good? So I I think a couple of things that would help is if, on the federal level, there was a normalization of how cannabis businesses that are operating legally in states where there are um, where, there, where there's rules and regulations and, and it's legalized either medically or adult use, if the federal government would put in place some sort of legislation that would allow these businesses to operate normally the way any other business operates in a regular regulated environment. Um, currently that's not the case. The most common or the biggest problem is, is, is the banking situation that legally operating cannabis companies, um, are, are kind of excluded from the banking system and, or they have to go through all kinds of difficulty in having bank accounts, there's large, there can be high costs. In addition, there's tax regulations that treat marijuana businesses unfairly. Um, and, and that needs to change. That would be, uh, that would make optimism go up a tremendous amount because it would, uh, it, it, it would normalize the business of marijuana sales. That's number one. Number two, uh, you know, more states are, are either considering, I think the numbers eight or 10 states in 2020 are going to have a ballot issue that's going to consider either going from medical to adult use or starting a medical program. I want, I want to ask again, about this. That, that that's going to open the market up to, you know, m- more people and, and, you know, m- more product being sold. 
Now, there's one story I want to bring up because one of those states are not going to have that opportunity to put themselves on the ballot for full adult use legalization is our state of Florida, where we both are based. And this is one thing I want to be I want to bring up because I think this is a fascinating issue. I brought this up a few weeks ago on the program. Is there are two competing uh, ballot initiatives. One is Regulate Florida, which we've seen for a number of years, that's trying to get the signatures, trying to get the votes, the, the, you know, the real push to going to get the kind of funding, the kind of signatures that, that were needed to comply with the Attorney General, I believe it is, so they can make this a ballot initiative. Then the same way goes for make it legal. The difference between the two is regulated Florida would be a full adult use legalization and allowing homegrown cannabis for those that want to grow it. Meanwhile, make it legal would make it where only dispensaries will be able to go ahead and dispense any kind of cannabis whatsoever, which would keep it under a corporate control because the people that are blobbing and backing behind that issue are Sertera Wellness, which is a big chain here in Florida, and MedMen, which has a real presence, making a growing presence here in Florida and across the country. So my question is, is do you see anything where that's creating a little bit of a shift that if that might change investment minds as to corporate control into what states are bringing in? And would that be something that might get fed along the chain to the other legal states? So my, so my feelings on Florida are, at least for the foreseeable future, it's going to remain a medical state. It doesn't seem like the adult use initiatives will get a vote in 2020. Yeah, it looks, yeah, it looks like neither one. It looks like 2022, it looks like. Probably. And, you know, one of the biggest issues for the legal cannabis market is the illegal cannabis market that continues to thrive and, and in fact, grow as legalization spreads. No, and Larry, I, I can I just jump in that, real that, quick? That, I want to just, because you're getting me right to my next question. Let me go and bring this up real quick. I'll, I'm going to just add a little context and just set this up. New Frontier Data. Now, they also offered numbers. They said the U.S. cannabis market will grow from $13.6 billion to $29.7 billion in 2025. That's what they're saying. The legal medical cannabis market will grow from $6 billion to $13 billion from 2019 to 2025. That's what they're saying. Now, increasing cannibalization from legal players is supposed to elicit the, the, reduce the illicit cannabis market, which at this moment, in 2019, they said it was $64 billion, dropping it down to $57 billion. And that the agency also estimates 223 million Americans, or 68% of the overall population, currently stay in states having access to legal cannabis. But here's the thing again, the illicit cannabis market. We've talked about several states here on the program. Having that issue, California is a major issue right now for them, trying to tackle that, where they're getting three, 4,000 complaints per year that the Bureau of Cannabis Control and law enforcement are trying to tackle. Talk to me, Larry, about what you see happening with correcting the balance of the black market and how investors are seeing the pendulum turn more in favor of the legal market. The, the black market will continue to have substantial competitive advantages as long as legal, the legal market, whether it be adult use or medical use, remains highly taxed, highly regulated, in a way that's that that disrupts business. It's one thing to have, you know, alcohol regulations and and firearm regulations and tobacco regulations so that you know, to keep it to things out of the hands of, you know, young people or people who shouldn't have 
have access to them. But what the legal regulatory environment has done is set up, set up for the legal market to fail against the black market. Every state that has medical or adult use rules and regulations and laws allowing the black market to thrive within that environment. So as long as the legal market's taxed unfairly and has huge sales taxes put on their, the sales and there's all kinds of rules and regulations that make it very costly to do business, to run a business and restrictions on how much can be bought or who can buy what, when, um, the black market will continue to thrive. The black market is easier, more convenient, more discreet, more, more selection, much less expensive. And, a, and the black market and the black market and the black market does not fear the law because no. in most states, in most states, cannabis, even if it's regulated and medical or adult use, it's been decriminalized. So, an illegal dealer, sure, they can get caught, but it's it's not the same kind of a penalty as, you know, when you were selling a, a straight old, you know, illegal product that, you know, of 10 years ago, for example. You know, Larry, I can't agree with you more. I'll tell you, when I look at the market and we can't, ha I would never want the federal government to be the, the arbitrator to say, okay, let's make it full world, you know, nationwide. I would prefer the states act. I still think the states more than more than not would be able to do a better job of being able to go ahead and implement and be able to allow this kind of legalization that we're looking for state to state. But again, there are certain states that just the implementation, the kind of money they're trying to bring in. This is why, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to point out Gavin Newsom, you know, California governor, not being happy enough with the amount of taxes they're getting in because that's not helping to go ahead and cut their debt, which is what they're hoping to have it do. But then they have all that illicit market there. There are a lot of good, talented uh, growers that are not going into the legal market because they would prefer not to deal with the issues of taxation, deal with the issues of all the compliance that's going along with that. And they also know that the interstate commerce where, you know, in the state of Florida, we know that that product is illegal that's coming in from California and Colorado are prominent here. So we know there's good product being done there because of the environment, the way things are done. But the government is just not playing ball enough to allow some ease of regulations, which will help the, the I mean, honestly, you want to be able to crack down as a, this would be an initiative to be able to crack down the amount of drug crimes and the amount of people that are actually being able to go and grab this product illegally. We're trying to go and curb that. So I don't understand what the states, when they're trying to implement all the extra rules and things they're trying to apply almost feel good that Florida did not go ahead and put this on the ballot because I feel like if it was rushed, if they were to try to get full legalization, again, the kind of taxpayer money to try to get in, like how much more tax money can you possibly grab and squeeze? Not to mention the issues with building code enforcement, compliance, and so many other things, red tape that businesses already have to go through. I have to commend the businesses that are even able to go and do this. And I have to commend investors like you that are able to continue to help prop up some of these companies with all the obstacles in front of them. Look, we see a big, you know, there's, there's a, there's a greenfield opportunity once everything normalizes. Um, the black market w will at some point face 
real competition from the legal market. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of time. And when it happens, you know, uh, much of, much of the illicit market will convert into, into regular way, legal cannabis sales for the, for the, for the licensed producers and, and, and retailers. So we're waiting for that to happen. We think it will happen. We're setting up our investment portfolio with businesses that are all going to benefit from the macro growth of cannabis as a wellness product. Uh, and, and, you know, being accepted by whether it be the, 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 the medical community or, or just people in general, that this is, this is, you know, it's, it's not a, an illegal drug that's going to make you, you know, a gateway drug that you're going to start using heroin, right. you know, after you, you know, smoke your first joint, the way reefer madness, you know, characterized this, this, you know, cannabis. There are some companies obviously that are trying to build themselves out to multiple States. That's where we see the medmen's of the world trying to go make that point across. And I understand and I, and I appreciate that. It's that kind of commerce that has to happen where if you're seeing multiple states and a growth of some of these companies, it's going to create the competition to bring prices down that will directly affect the illicit market. And that's what needs to happen right away. And that might take some of the, some of the burden off of the taxation regulation that state governments are putting upon each company that's out there. Now, finally, I'm just going to wrap things up and uh, just go into Tell me what you're doing right now. When you're talking uh, last year in May, you talked to the Benzinga Capital Conference and you were interviewed there about the growth of the cannabis market. I want to just bring this up across. So you said that cannabis has definitely gone mainstream. They see this consumer packaged goods opportunity, especially with CBD. <clears throat> Pharmaceutical industry is paying attention. Alcohol is paying attention. Tremendous amount of change over the last five years. It's definitely gone mainstream. Opportunities for growth just continue to expand. Talk to me about your focus of FIDO partners going forward? We're looking to allocate capital to marketing and technology, uh, advertising marketing technology companies that are able to essentially find the, pe- the, the audiences that would be open to using a cannabis-derived product in their life in some way, whether it be in their exercise, in their health care, nutrition, uh, pet care, etc. So advertising and marketing is an issue in the industry because of the federal illegality of it. Facebook and Google don't play nicely. So very difficult to build brands and to get your message out especially if it's in more than one state. Um, we're investing in companies or looking to invest in companies that, that help the operators do that. We are looking to invest capital in synthetic cannabinoids. So cannabis ingredients that are, that are produced in a laboratory versus being grown in the fields. We are also looking for businesses that can solve the production, processing, and distribution uh, pain points in the industry. 
I think those are three places where we'll deploy capital in, in the coming months. Uh, our existing portfolio companies, like I said, they, they continue to, to, to grow very nicely. Um, even with what, you know, is, is most obvious seen in the kind of the stock market that, you know, cannabis companies are, are terrible. They've crashed. Um, the companies we've invested in are all private companies and they don't get impacted in the same way um, or in, in any way like the publicly traded licensed producers. Um, again, the, the licensed producers who've raised all this capital are literally spending that money with some of the businesses we've invested in. So there's kind of like a waterfall of how the capital goes into the market gets invested in the cannabis industry. Yeah. A lot of it was invested. Like I said, the bulk of the capital that's gone into the industry has been invested in, in, in licensed producers. Now those licensed producers are investing in grow technology, branding, packaging, uh, advertising, marketing systems, um, human resource management, staffing. Um, obviously they're doing more testing for their products. Um, we've invested in a business that does product trust transparency verification. So during this whole vape crisis where there was illegal THC cartridges on the market, there was no way for a consumer to know if that was a real, a real product that was tested and produced in a, in a, in a, in a, in a legally operating facility, or was it produced in someone's basement with stuff that they could make themselves, you know, and, 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 and sell. So we invested in a company that you can, any product that has this, this QR code on it, you can verify where it was tested, where it was grown, what it's supposed to do, you know, where it was made, all that. And you can have, you know, third party uh, confidence that the vape pen or the edible or the tincture that you're taking has what it says in it and was produced legally and, you know, with good manufacturing practices, not in somebody's bathtub. All right. We've got to go ahead and run ourselves to another break. And we're going to go ahead and, uh, continue with uh, one last question here with Larry Schnurmacher, managing partner of the Fido Partners Cannabis Venture Capital Fund. And I want to talk about what some experts are asking about when it comes to what cannabis investors should do this year when investing in cannabis. I'm going to point that question to you next here with Larry Schnurmacher in just a moment. Stay with us. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio.
Oh, lady marijuana, lama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The, the Green, Green Peak, Peak with Richard Zwicky. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with final questions with Larry Schermacher from Fido Partners. Motley Fool wrote about three things cannabis investors should strive to do in 2020 when investing in cannabis stocks. They recommended considering valuations and multiples before buying a stock, focus on operating income rather than net income, and finally, companies need to be generating positive free cash flow. They said, quote, if they're not, it can lead to a company issuing more shares, which results in shareholder dilution. What do you think about these resolutions here if you were uh, playing the market? So Fido Partners doesn't, you know, in quotes, play the market. Right. We, we invest in privately held companies. And we, again, are going to continue to focus on businesses that are, you know, they're regular way businesses. They're a technology company. They're an advertising company. They're a packaging company. They're a, a compliance software company that provides a solution to cannabis operators. Um, we're going to continue to do that. Those businesses are easily scalable. They don't require a lot of capital to, to continue to expand. Um, and like I said, they're, they're critical for the operators in order for them to, to do their business and, and to do it compliantly and compete successfully in, in the market. And, and the cannabis market is getting much, much more competitive. So I want to just just turn around with this. Now you say, I I understand where you're coming from there. So the philosophy is if you want to invest in a company, why invest in the stock, invest in the brand, invest in the whole kit and caboodle. Well, look, the, the, you know, the, the stocks are tricky. You know, there's, there's a lot of damage that's been done to investors who put in money thinking that this was, you know, the, the next, the next greatest thing. And while the industry, I still believe, is the next greatest thing, um, the valuations of the few publicly traded, primarily licensed producers in Canada um, got way out of control because anybody who wanted to get in, you know, if, if they wanted to invest in the cannabis industry, they weren't going to go do the work that we do to find privately held companies that are, that, that are, are involved in the industry. They go, you know, they call their broker or they go on TD Ameritrade and they, you know, put in marijuana stocks and they get a list of five, 10, 20 stocks and they pick the names that make the most, you know, that sound best to them. They don't do it based on valuation. They don't do it based on earnings or cash flow or anything. They do it based on 
you know, there's a story and I want to be involved in it. And this is the only way I can do it. The easiest, cheapest, at least it seems like the cheapest way to do it. Um, we do a lot more work to find the businesses that we invest in where we, we demand real financial reporting and numbers that make sense in order for us to invest. There's, there are valuations in, in the private market and we're very sensitive to that. You know, we value a business based on its financial metrics, not the fact that the industry is going to be super big and continue to grow and expand and that there's going to be $75 billion worth of product sold. If there's going to be $75 billion worth of product sold or a hundred billion dollars worth of product sold, I want some portion of that to go through, for example, LeafLink, which is an e-commerce platform that connects retailers and vendors in every state in all over the world. Um, all there, all that's required for that business to grow is for the macro cannabis economic economy to grow. If, if more people are buying from dispensaries, then dispensaries are buying more product from vendors through the LeafLink platform. And currently LeafLink sees about 17% of all retail transaction, not retail, but all wholesale purchases of cannabis products from vendors. So I don't have to worry about if Oregon is oversupplied or if California's market is, you know, has issues with the black market and tax high taxes. As long as more products are being sold over the LeafLink platform, because more states are opening up, more dispensaries are opening up, more brands, more vendors are starting to sell products, whether it be beverages or tinctures or bombs, um, pre-rolls, you know, edibles, whatever the, the product is, the consumer packaged goods are, if they're being bought from vendors into the retail system, a lot of that's going to go through one of the businesses that we invested in. So that's been my strategy and it will continue to be going forward. That's a very sound strategy. Very sound. And a really shout out to Ryan Smith, CEO of LeafLink, who we've had here on Blood Business and Plant Profits and has definitely a uh, been, you know, really set trends, obviously you put out uh, reports out there giving us real good, solid info. And obviously that kind of data really works with what you're looking to do. So I definitely see your strategy. I, I definitely appreciate you taking your time. I know we got to get you to run. Thank you for making time to join us, Larry. Thank you so much. And again, website for those who want to go ahead and check it out. It is phytopartners.com, P-H-Y-T-O partners.com. Have one other piece of news to go and pass along from uh, regarding Fido Partners. They're going to be announcing Fido 3 LP. It'll be on April 1st, 2020. We'll be open for new investor capital commitments from accredited investors that can commit to at least $250,000 minimum investment. Uh, it's all lined up so far. Investment targets currently in due diligence that can span medical dosing, lifestyle microdosing, processing distribution, cannabinoid biosynthesis and digital advertising and marketing technology platforms. Fido 3LP may invest in other Fido Funds portfolio companies and follow on investments we have the rights to. Information, by the way, disclaimed is being provided for informational purposes. It's not a solicitation to buy or sell any investment product offering by private placement memorandum that can be provided upon written request. Wanted to pass that along to all of you as well. 
Thank you, you all for listening to the business. You can download past episodes by going to CannabisRadio.com. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening. expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.